Sean. Hey, Radcast is on. And welcome to the show, Mr. Jim Zumbo. Gentlemen, I am pleased to be here, and I use that term loosely when I say gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Al Winder. Just want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us on a podcast for a little bit. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Nothing makes me happier than a cold in Minnesota. If I can't be out fishing, I should be talking about fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Hailing from Wisconsin, Jenna Waller. Thank you so much for having me. It's Redcast. Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. Powered by Bo Spider. Brought to you by PK Lures and High Mountain Seasonings. And now, here's your hosts, Patrick Edwards and David Merrill. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ragcast Outdoors. I'm your host today, Patrick Edwards. David is still on the road. He's just completing Western Hunt in Utah, and so he's been all over the country bouncing back and forth between the east and west coast and everything in between and so while he's away thought it'd be good to get in another episode so that you don't have a week where you go without ragcast because that would just be wrong and a lot of the person that i have on here helping me host this one today and he's been on the show several times and we've had some great conversations and he's hailing all the way from moscow idaho seth ewing welcome to the podcast Thanks for having me back. Fun to be back in the, don't get to be in Wyoming this time, but technology is pretty wonderful. So great to be hanging out with you this evening. Yeah, it's good to have you on the podcast. And you're one of my friends that I like to philosophize with. It's a word I made up and I really like it, but philosophizing (laughs) is pretty fun. And for those of you who don't know Seth, he's extremely sharp and when I have ethical dilemmas or things I want to talk about, Seth's one of my go-tos because we can really vet through my thoughts or maybe it's a situation that I see and I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? So I trust him a lot. He's a wise man and somebody I respect. And so I've been reading through the news and I've been seeing a lot of things over the last couple of years, really, where things are coming to light in the fishing industry regarding people cheating, whether it's on record fish or at tournaments, master angler programs, you name it. There's all kinds of different things that have been coming out. And so I wanted to visit just a little bit about that. And Seth and I talked a little bit before the podcast about just what we were going to cover today. And I think some of you may come to this podcast and, and see this, the title of it and maybe hear some of the intro and think, why does it matter to me? I just go out there and I catch my fish for the table, or maybe I just go fish my favorite trout stream and release all my fish. I really don't care about this kind of stuff. Seth, you're more in that category of you're probably not chasing as hard as I am and the master. (laughs) That's such a charitable way of saying (laughs) that I don't catch many large fish. Oh, come on. That's not. (laughs) You've got some nice fish. I think it is important to talk about like why we should all care about this subject and why it matters, at least for me, but maybe not. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's actually something I wanted to ask you. And I, it's interesting. Was it the last time that I was on that we were talking fish ethics or was that a couple times ago? Yeah. We have that interesting intersection between we both like when someone knows how to take a good fish picture and holds that puppy out there and gets the most out of their <laughs> fish for laughs. But the topic we're talking about today is when that playfulness goes into actually misrepresenting what's real and I think one of the things that comes to my mind is if we're part of a sport, 
and we enjoy something, the more well-behaved we all are, the less that law enforcement has to come in and make sure everyone behaves. It just puts me in mind of something my dad used to tell me and my brothers when we were kids. He said, you can either control yourself or I can control you <laughs> for you. And you're not going to like that. And so at a very base level, there's probably a lot more that could be said. But for an average, we kind of get out not as often as they would like. And I'm not. My my fishing goal for this year is to just do a little bit more of it rather than to set any records. Um, that creating an environment where we're well behaved and we don't have to be controlled by outside forces is one of the things that comes to my mind right away. But for you, what are some of the reasons that you wanted to do this podcast? Because we we got together on the spur of the moment. You said, can you podcast tonight? I said, yes. And we didn't have a lot of chance to talk about, okay, but why this topic? There's lots of spring fishing and stuff to do. Why are we talking about this instead of something else? Yeah. So for me, especially just, I've, I've been through this in the last couple of years where I've caught record fish and gone through the process. And it was always extremely important to me to be beyond reproach, not mm -hmm. have anybody question, is it a legit record? Did he <laughs> do something questionable? That's why I still have that white sucker in my freezer. To be honest with you, it's, it's sitting in there because I'm like, if it ever, if someone ever wants to question it, I want it to be there. It's probably lost a little bit of weight because it's in the freezer. But, you freeze dried it. But I don't know. I just think that I'm seeing it a lot more often and it's disturbing to me. So we talked about it on that podcast. You talked, you alluded to earlier that where we were talking about misrepresenting your catch, whether that be weight, length, whatever it is. If you're having good fun, you're having good fun. But as soon as you say, this is a 30 inch walleye and it's a 26 inch walleye, that's where we start to have problems, right? Because now it's not just good fun, it's a lie. And I'm seeing this a lot with master angler competitions in general. So behind me, that those of you watching on mm -hmm. you, there's a plaque on the wall. That plaque represents master angler fish that had to meet a certain criteria to be engraved on that plaque. And I took that really seriously and I made sure that all my fish met the qualifications for that because it matters to me, right? If I'm going to do it and I'm going to call mm -hmm. myself ultimate angler, I want to do it the right way. I can go onto the game and fish's website right now for Wyoming and I can see fish that have been turned in claiming that they're a certain length and I've handled enough fish to know they're not that size, but they got passed over by the biologist because they probably didn't want confrontation or whatever. So I'm seeing it there, but then we're seeing it in tournaments, like the guys last year, the year before, whatever it was that got busted for the stuffing weights and walleyes. It just keeps coming up. And I'm like, how can the podcast be a place where we talk about these things and talk about maybe how it starts, why it matters, and how it can even affect everyday anglers that maybe don't care about records, because it can. And I think that mm -hmm. where that begins is a lot of these guys, when they're lying about a record, that's probably not the only game violations they're making. <laughs> they probably started with they're keeping more than their limit or they're keeping size of fish that aren't allowed. Maybe there's a slot limit. We see it on Glendo quite often here in Wyoming because there's a 14 inch minimum. I think I haven't fished there in a while, but something like that. And people keep them under. And then there's like certain size fish you shouldn't keep. Well, Bass Lake here close to my house, same thing. The bass has to be 15 inches and, 
the guy that was 14 and three quarter inch bass. I'm going to take this home today. Yeah. I'm going to stretch it really good. But I think that it does matter. And we'll get into the specifics of the one that I had sent you the article about. But um, I think being a dad and being somebody who's trying to influence other anglers in a positive way, I think it matters to talk about it and to really address the issue because it's coming up more and more often and it's in the news. It's not like it's something that isn't making headlines. Yeah, that is really something that I notice because I don't follow a lot of angling news and I knew about both of the things that you had sent me. I didn't know about the, the crappie situation being resolved, but I had multiple articles pop up in feeds and things talking about this and this guy defending himself and saying what was happening to him was really terrible and game and fish. I forget what it actually is in that state, Kansas department of wildlife and parks or whatever it is, had been really quiet about it until they were ready to release images and say, no, no, we, uh, we weren't being mean to anybody, but the, the, tr- the tournament anglers, I'd heard about that one as well. And even if you're more on the periphery of the sport, at least from a news standpoint, this stuff has reached a pitch where I had heard about these things and people spent time in jail over some of it. So it's being taken seriously by law enforcement even. Yeah, it's pretty wild because it's not just crappie. It's not just walleye. They've seen it in bass angling for years where guys are (laughs) bringing in these bass and the other anglers are like, there's no way that those bass weigh that much. There's absolutely no possible way. And I wanted to share a story because this is stuff that people like flippantly say. So in 2016, I caught a very nice size largemouth bass. Seth knows the fish I'm talking about. It was a football. And yeah. I thought it was potentially a state record and got it checked out and it was not, but it was close enough that if I had wanted to, I could have stuffed it full of banana weights or something, right? Like I could have. <laughs> and I actually remember when I took it to the the bait shop to get it weighed because it was a master angler size um, that the guy working the counter was like, Oh man, you could make this a state record. You just stuff some weights in it. We got weights over there. And I'm like, why would you even say that? Like it was just a flip. Mm. I don't think he was being super serious, but with that little hint of seriousness. And I'm just like, no. I was like, if I'm gonna break that record, I want to do it right. I was like, I was close-ish, but still, that's not the way to go about it. That shouldn't be even crossing your mind. <laughs> but this guy, like he said it to me, just plain as day. Yeah, we got weights right over there. You could make it heavier. And I'm just like, there's something wrong. It's so funny the way the human mind works, too, because there's at least a couple things that go on in that dynamic. It's good enough that fish had eaten something else right before it hit your lure. Could easily, with the mouth the size of that fish, like it could have eaten something big enough to put it over the top. So your mind can rationalize, probably was a state record yesterday. Right. So is it really that bad for me to to have this fish? Like you're When you've got motive, something you really want, your brain starts to try and say like why this isn't a bad thing you're doing to take that record from someone else. But the other thing is in the moment, sometimes you don't think about if I lie about this right now, then I get to lie about this for the rest of my life. If you had done something with that large mouth and 
gotten the state record. I can't help but think that it would be tainted in your own experience some, somewhat by the fact that every time someone want, commented on your state record or whatnot, you would know Yeah, that absolutely. it was five ounces short or whatever it was. I can't remember. It was closer than that, maybe. It was pretty um, close, but it's still like I would, to your point, yeah, I wouldn't feel good about it. It's just, no, it wasn't a state record. And to your point, though, I even found myself thinking like, yeah, if I had a large mouth state record for Wyoming, that's a big deal. And mm-hmm. yeah, I could have eaten a, you know, nine inch or 10 inch fish easily. That thing had a bucket mouth on it. But I was like, yeah, but I want to do this right. If I'm going to have the record, I want to do it right. Like, I don't ever want anyone to question it and say, well, I don't know. It was probably, like, probably did something to it. Or, oh, I've seen fish like that. There's no way that fish could have made it. I just didn't ever want to be close to that. But, it was just interesting to hear that comment because I'm just thinking, I wonder if this is just a thought that lots of people have. And I also, I don't think people understand how they're going to feel until they're in that situation. Because mm-hmm. I think some people, it would have been more of a pull to be like, hey, maybe that's an idea. Maybe I'm going to walk over to that next aisle and I'm going to grab some banana weights and make this thing heavier. But you don't really know until you're in that situation. And I, I think as human beings, we all have a, we have that little piece of pride in the back of our minds and our hearts that, that we don't really want to address and, and talk about. Yeah. I could be in the paper. I could have all this attention. I, I could get all this recognition. And I think that's what gets people in trouble, especially like thinking about this crappie that we're going to talk about that this guy caught. It was close enough that two ball bearings got it over the state record, right? Like it wasn't like it was this massive weight that he had to put in it. There's a couple. So I think there's a lot of people listening say, oh, I'd never do it. But really put yourself in that situation. If you're an ounce or two off, would you be tempted to do that? And I think that's a good thing for us all to think about and have some introspection about because until you're in that situation, you don't really know exactly how you're going to feel or maybe how you're going to act. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like our history of how we treat other regulations and other situations that kind of play into how honest we're being. I think they do make a huge difference when we're faced with that unexpected stress test of our integrity, or our honesty, the patterns and the habits you've built up and how you've, whether it was that slot limit thing or like group, keeping a limit as a group when your state doesn't allow that or all those other things that are easy to make little compromises because they don't feel like they hurt anybody or it's not that big a deal. If fish was only a quarter inch short, so I ate him. That kind of thing, if you make compromises like that, then it puts you in a different place, I think, when you are really tested by something that's that's a pretty big deal for some people to be. I think that particular record that the guy tried to break had been standing since the 60s. Yeah, And it's... That's maybe not the most prestigious game fish in the state, but crappie are well regarded. It wasn't like like the record for something obscure like bullhead or something or or sucker. It's funny is I can only do it because that I am not prejudiced against <laughs> rough fish. But if it had been a largemouth bass, you can be guaranteed there'd have been a lot of scrutiny. Just like in Wyoming, if it was yeah. like a golden trout or something like that there'd right. be a whole lot of scrutiny whether it would you know be legit or not and there would be a lot of people asking questions um and i think that 
brings up another point is these fish, yeah, they're different species, but really the root of the matter is all the same. It doesn't matter whether it's a crappie, it's a bass or a sucker. The integrity of it is the integrity of it. And your records are only as good as your vetting process to ensure that the records are legit because there's several records out there. State records here in Wyoming, there's a few that have come into question. There was an article about the golden trout record set back way back when that yeah. one's been under scrutiny for quite a few years. I don't know where I feel. I don't know how I feel about it. Like it's, it doesn't really matter too much to me, but at the same time, I do wonder because it is pretty darn big. There's several of them, the world record walleye. It's over 20 pounds and I've seen a lot of big walleye, but I've never seen a 20 pounder. And there are some obviously in the Columbia river and a few other places, but you haven't seen them out of that body of water again. And it makes you wonder it's what was that person motivated to never have their record broken. And right. We don't know, but I thought it'd be interesting to talk about like, how do we move forward when we have these kind of issues? Because I've been through the process a few times within the last 12 months on state record and world record catch. And I felt like the process was pretty good, but I think that there's mm -hmm. some holes. And so I wanted to visit about that a little bit, just to give you guys some context. When I caught the state records, the process is very straightforward. You go to a place where they can weigh your fish and it has to be a certified scale. So for me, I have one option. <laughs> I don't have the guy in the, the article who could go to multiple spots with a certified scale. I have the post office and that's what I have because I'm in rural America and that's just the way it is. And then the people at the post office know me now as the slimy fish guy that slimes up their scale. But anyway, <laughs> I go there and have it weighed and then I have to take it to a fisheries biologist who does his own check. So they feel the fish's stomach, they check the length, they check the girth, they do a cursory weight check because they don't have a certified scale there. They go through all that, identify the species <clears throat> and sign off. The world record's a lot more in depth and I've covered that on another right. podcast. It's basically like your firstborn in a blood sample. But you know what they didn't do on any of them? They didn't x-ray no. any of them. They didn't metal right. detect any of them. And to me, it's, and I'd be all game for that. And especially now with as much of that as we're seeing, like, why not? It doesn't hurt me. <laughs> if I'm turning it in, I'm pretty sure it's a record. And so I would have no, no problem with that. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's a, I'm sure the answer to the question is money at some level, because you've got one place where you can get a certified scale. How many places locally do you have to get your fish x-rayed. <laughs> Detected though, like a metal detecting one. Is yeah, that might be a more reasonable thing. I don't know. I think what maybe, I'm curious because particularly old fish sometimes, I we've both had the, the wonderful opportunity of salmon fishing in Alaska. And <laughs> I caught some legal fish that had some heavy metal. <laughs> Like flies dangling from every fin, and I'm not sure <laughs> if you caught a if you caught a record, you'd want to make sure that you didn't you didn't disqualify someone because it had broken off someone's had he had taken a, a jig or something earlier. But um, you probably could do a lot of initial screening with something like metal detection, at least at a screening phase. With record fish, like 
I'm guessing there's something about you don't want to just cut into one because of a someone may is probably wanting to do something with it as far as mounting and taxidermy options. But also, if you cut into it, you are going to lose weight. And your procedures for measuring, they have to be fast enough that your fish doesn't lose by transport. And so for states like ours, with a lot of rural population, like rural areas and whatnot, you have to come up with something to help solve the problem that doesn't just discourage people from, if you want new records and new records are good for like selling fishing licenses and that that has all the trickle down benefits of improving boat ramps and what have you. Yeah. Um, you want to encourage people who catch a record fish to do it and get people excited about fishing. So maybe metal detection is a good first step because that kind of equipment is fairly inexpensive and is like hobby stuff, but I don't know what kind of resolution. That'd be a great question to even ask some of your, your fishing game type connections. Like what would that actually involve to, to have that? I think even just having a procedure page where actually a third, an uninterested third party actually feels the fish to see if there's something hard because yeah. if you're putting ball bearings in a fish that doesn't maybe someone isn't going to notice that but you would catch some people doing it badly you've got to think if you're adding a pound to a fish you're not doing that with a, a few split shot or something that fish is going to be it's going to feel gonna, weird it's going to have a large mass in its stomach and it's going to be pretty obvious <clears throat> like we all know what weights feel like or look like. And even car parts. I've heard about guys doing that where they take large bolts and car parts and other things and shove into these fish. And it's, that's pretty, you're going to know. You're, you're going to feel that if you're feeling the fish. Now I will say there is a caveat here. If you're turning in a, a state record catfish somewhere, there's a good chance. <laughs> probably ate a weight or something. Cause I, I've seen some crazy stuff in the stomachs of catfish, which I've caught and processed. And I'm like, why did you eat that? <laughs> you know, rocks. I've even had trout with rocks in their stomachs, like little, not real big ones. Caddis fly casings and that sort of thing. Yeah. You're just like, Ew, yeah. These, well, and then I had one that had a hook all the way through its body to its rear end that it had sucked like this small treble hook. I'm guessing somebody was using like power bait or something and it swallowed it and it had actually gone all the way down to the vent and so when i was flaying it out i found it there that would go off but those are pretty obscure and those you deal with but yeah but if you start to say okay we're going to do scans for these things you have to think through all of the implications because mm -hmm. so one of the to scratch the itch and get out and go fishing not because it's an amazing spot but because it's the closest spot i go ice fishing on a lake where the winter forage must be absolutely terrible because when I cut open stomachs to see what the fish have been eating, all I found, all I ever find is power bait. And I'll find, catch this like 10, 12 inch rainbow trout that's good for the smoker, but it'll have a five inch like power bait worm in it, that kind of thing. And it's okay, that's, they weigh something. Someone could pull push those in and say well, i just caught it after it i think there's always going to be a limitation 
to what you just can fish do. do to what you can do and so i think that's where if you find 20 split shot inside of a, a fish you can be pretty sure but then it gets into that gray area where you're going to end up with debates that I think are probably, or you just disqualify those fish, which would be a bummer for someone being honest. I think that's where it goes back to where we started. Like, why does this matter to <laughs> someone like me? If I ever happen to catch a record fish legally, I don't want the rules to become so intense that I get called out for cheating when I haven't cheated. So well, I think that's one of the things that yeah, I think of. Let me throw a scenario that could happen to you very well. Let's say you went down to the snake river and you're fishing for carp so that you can smoke them up and you hook into this absolutely gigantic carp and you fight him for 30 minutes because they can fight you that long, especially in current. Oh yeah. You finally get it in and you're like, man, this is really big. I'm going to, I'm going to check real quick. And so you get on your phone and you look and you're right there with the state record. So you went from everyday fisherman who it doesn't matter to right, you. Exactly. Well, oh, it matters because I, I know, because this has happened to me, right? <laughs> like where you're like, <laughs> hey, well, now this matters. Right. So and there, that's what I'm saying. You want the environment of records to be such that when you actually arrive there, gosh, if it's not any fun anymore, someone like me just might say, I caught a really huge fish and not bother. <laughs> And yeah. the fishing game or game and fish, depending on your state. Um, that doesn't make sense. In Idaho, it's opposite of Wyoming. So I'm always saying it wrong because <laughs> not what it was when I was a kid. Yeah. But to your point, we don't want to make it so tough for people to do that. They won't do it. Like even the world record process was right. almost more than I wanted to deal with. It was just, it was a hassle. It was a pain in the butt to get all these different things done. Right. But you can also kind of say at the same time, if you want a record, there's some things you're going to have to go through to get that, right? Because it, it, at the end of the day, they do have to ensure that it is a, a legit record because right. you want to protect the integrity of it. So there, there's that fine line that people probably want us to walk on that because you don't want to have to. One of the things I put in my notes is like some places, maybe you have to surrender your fish for 48 hours. Some people may not be okay with that. <laughs> it, it would be like, you kill this massive bull elk. People are going to come and score it. They're probably not going to take it from you, but there have been some that have been questionable. I've heard about in, deer, in the deer world anyway, where mm -hmm. people wanted to get an x-ray of this thing to make sure that it was a legit whitetail and that they hadn't taken antlers off of something else and put it on to another head and the guy wouldn't do it. It's not just fishing, like it, it happens in other things too, but right. no, nobody wants to surrender their catch. Like you read this article about this guy in Kansas. So he goes to this bait shop, he weighs it, it's not a record. He takes it home, he puts ball bearings in it, gets it weighed at another bait shop. Then that first bait shop owner tips off the department. Then they come and seize his fish and he was livid. And he was saying how, hey, I'm innocent. I haven't I'm the done victim. I'm the victim here and turns out he's got five felonies since 2019 something like that there's he's got quite a long list of things but I can also understand I wouldn't want to surrender my fish either but sure. for me and I can only speak for me if someone were to come right now 
from like IGFA or whatever and say, hey, we want to check out your white sucker. Be like, hey, I'll show you where it's at in the freezer. You can have it as long as you want. <laughs> it's a white sucker, so I don't care that much. If it was a wall, right. it'd uh, already be on the wall. Yeah, if I wanted to have it mounted or whatever, that would be different. It's, I think it's a little bit different from everybody, but I hear what you're saying. I think it is important to have that line where you don't want to make it so brutal that people don't want to go through the process because it's cool to have a record. And yeah. you want people to think it's cool and not that it was just this awful task that they had to do. Mm-hmm. Like it does. It, it builds excitement when you think like records are gettable too. Then it makes you like I when you caught some record fish, it made me look at our regs and look at the records and say, hey, is there anything, is there any low-lying fruit that because that'd be cool. I think this is even more intense. I know you wanted to talk more about master angler programs and maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but I feel like this dynamic is even more intensive with those programs because it is on an honor system. If you want people releasing trophy fish yep. and releasing those fish and, and instead like getting their plaque and having that, then one of the key things about that is you need the fish to be released healthy or it's not worth releasing them. And so if you want to make catch and release fish eligible for those kinds of programs, which I know they are, then you don't want to make the rules and the measurements and everything so onerous that the fish spends a lot of time out of the water any longer than it needs to. Yep. You want that fish released while it's got the best chance of surviving. It can, but if you've got people who aren't are abusing the honor system then it becomes is it even worth bothering with this master angler thing anyway it's there's a tension in these things between the need to keep it legit and keep it fun which is like completely different again from some of the other things we've talked about where there's a there's that venn diagram starts to go over into where people are actually lying for profit whether that's a tournament or an outfitter or a guide that's saying hey i can put you on this kind of fish and they're misrepresenting what they can do that's adjacent and that's where i think you end up with more legal trouble but we're mainly focusing on the stuff that like you're not going to go to jail for misrepresenting your brook trout for the master angler thing at least at this point right but it does cheapen the whole thing and that's the part that concerns me because it matters to me. Like I'm, I'm chasing it to do it and to do it legit. <laughs> and so when I see people who aren't, that drives me crazy. There's one example that I have, and I'm not going to call them out on this podcast, but there's someone that I know that submitted fish that they caught before the program started, which was against the rules and some that weren't even caught in Wyoming. And so that, that really cheapens it for me. And as somebody who got the plaque before I did, which is frustrating, <laughs> I could have got a plaque day one. <laughs> I just pull up pictures from fish I'd already caught and been like, yeah, got all these master anglers already. Could have done that. But no, like to me, it was like, that's not, that's not what this is about. This is to make fishing more fun for me because it gives me a challenge. It gives me something that motivates me to go out there and try to beat the last time or beat the other guy that has the record now or whatever, it gives me something to go after. And it, and that is motivating for me because I'm competitive and 
<laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and some people are competitive too, but they're willing to stretch that line and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it this way, even though it's not legit." Oh, I caught this northern pike in South Dakota, but I'm gonna say I caught it in Wyoming. Wink, wink. Or I caught this perch in Colorado, but I'm gonna say I caught it in Wyoming. Those kind of things are bothersome, and I don't know that there's really a way to 100% fix that. I think ultimately. And this is why we have this show, Dave and I talk through some of these things, but I think ultimately it comes down to the individual angler himself or herself to make those decisions and make the right ones and to ultimately care more about doing it the right way than about the recognition at the end of the road. Because I always feel like if you work really hard as an angler, the recognition is going to come. It's going to happen because you're spending the time the math works out. If you spend enough time, you know what you're doing, you're going to catch big fish and it's going to work out anyway. So there's no point in stretching it and misrepresenting because ultimately at the end of the day, the only person that makes it look bad is you and you don't want that. And so I'll give you a good example. When I was trying to get this plaque, I kept catching these 22 inch brown trout. It was driving me nuts. 23 inches is the size that you need. And I went five or six times and I caught a whole bunch of 20 to 22 inch browns. It was driving me. You poor thing. Yeah, you're like, oh, <laughs> I say that a little glibly, but honestly, let's circle back because I think there's something, at least from my perspective, that's really, that actually is important with, gosh, you can't, you shouldn't be disappointed with a 22 inch <laughs> brown trout. It's like, I like talking about doing it the right way. If you're, if you're forgetting why fishing is fun, I think that becomes part of it too, where this could be an opportunity to refocus on what is the value in these things that we enjoy so much. And I'm, I am also hyper competitive. I'm like for anyone who no, you? who's <laughs> listening and I, I love those aspects of it, but it's, yeah. When you get your eyes fixed on something that you really want and you're being frustrated in your goal, the temptation to shortcut that become can become intense but at that point sometimes you've also lost sight of the fact that you're on the river getting to do this thing in the first place and that's i think into the whole mix of things we're talking about it's a good opportunity to for some self-evaluation if like you're temp when you're tempted to fudge on these kinds of things like to think about like, oh, gosh what am i really accomplishing by that so anyway, I, I derailed your train of thought with your <laughs> stories of all your no, it's a good point. Twenty and twenty-two inch browns, but yeah, you... because I did have to remind myself like, these are fish that lots of people would love to catch, and these are bigger fish than a lot of people ever catch of this species. So I should just be happy. But you know me, I'm competitive, and, and <laughs> especially with Danny at the time, and trying to get it done. And, and I really wanted to get it done with him on these trips. And so yeah. we finally ended up going and I got it done and he was there and that meant a lot to me. And he ended up catching this pig of a rainbow trout that was over 24 inches. That was super cool. Mm. And so it was, it was a neat experience. And the best part of that first master angler for that program for the brown trout was that Danny, when he took the picture of me with my cell phone, he had his thumb over my face. So you can't see, <laughs> you can't see my face, but you can see the fish and me holding it. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I didn't know Which that. People too. don't know that Danny took pictures of fish like that on purpose all the time. Yeah. He always tried to hide his face with the fish. 
he'd hold it right in front of his face which is an extra which is an extra just like unintended easter egg i feel like when you told me that (laughs) i got to i only got to fish with danny maybe the once or twice and Mm -hmm. yeah it was a special thing for me just like it's fishing legend and he would do that and he was very intense about making sure that it was the right length for whatever it was. And he would know. It, it would be one of those things where I'd be reeling it in and he'd be like, no, nope, it's not quite there. He just saw enough fish that he could tell <laughs> when you're reeling it in. He's like, yeah, I don't think that one's going to make it. But he was always one of those guys. He'd lay his tape on the ground. He'd put the fish next to the tape. He'd take pictures of that. He'd get a picture holding the fish. He'd release the fish, do all those things because he really wanted to make sure that if it was ever questioned that it was legit and he, I think that's from having over 40 world records. That was just innate in him that, and he wanted to be honest. He wanted it to be legitimate. And if you talk to anybody today, nobody ever that I know of would question a fish that Danny caught. If he said he caught a 15 pound walleye, you can be guaranteed it was a 15 pound walleye or if you got a 32 inch walleye, it was a 32 inch walleye. It wasn't 31 and three quarters. It was 30. <laughs> People would do that, man. They would be like, Oh, you're lying about your fish. And then he'd go home and then he'd send an order to Walgreens and he'd print off the picture of the fish on the tape and be like, here it is. And that's just Danny for you. Um, I was thinking about to just this whole thing with the master's angler program because we're not talking about violating game regulations but there there is there's a reward in it for people who do the documentation of the program but i know like your kids are excited about getting their master angler um fish and that whole thing is that's another thing that's at stake with if you make it where either the state just finds like too many people are cheating for them to be able to ignore it and they have to tighten up the rules like you put it out of the fun zone where like is a kid going to do it but also it's there is a legacy element too of saying if you're taking a young person fishing in there close like are you going to have them fudge it a little bit so they can get their master and what are the lessons you're teaching mm-hmm. other there's a deeply personal side of these kinds of things. And we've all been in situations because this is not a hunting fishing kind of thing. This is a human thing we're talking about is when we're close to the edge, are we going to cut corners on the truth for an advantage of some kind or are we not? And we're advocating here for, and this really should be an easy thing. This isn't life and death. This isn't hiding people from the Nazis or anything where we have these horrible dilemmas. We're talking about fish. And it should be easy to do the right things in these situations. And sometimes I think we need to be reminded of that. And also just for ourselves, but also I know if your kids caught a fish that was close to master angler, didn't make it, you would use that as a teaching moment. Both learn how to navigate disappointment, but also things like perseverance. And well, we're close. We're not going to give up. We're going to go after that fish that's a little bit bigger, we're not going to lie about, we just, we're not going to lie because truth matters. Just in an overall thing, I know that's part of your family culture. That's part of the faith that we share is like the truth matters. And so we're not going to lie about stuff, even if it doesn't hurt anybody really. And 
I was going to say, Faith is the only one of the kids that this doesn't happen to because she just <laughs> catches master angler fish. <laughs> I don't know why. She's just lucky <laughs> that way. But it has happened to my other kids where they're really close. And so, sorry, buddy, you're not there. You didn't make it. It's a quarter inch short. Or and we even had one. It was like an eighth of an inch short. And I was like, well, it wasn't quite there. You just keep trying. Get your line back in the water. There's more fish catch out there. Him catch him next year. Yeah, catch him next year. Catch him in six months. Like, it's okay. It's not life and death. And I think that's the other thing that a lot of these guys they get so like, I don't know. It's not even competitiveness. It's just they want so the glory of having this thing. They got to have the attention. They got to have this and that. And they are willing to push it for that. And so it wasn't quite there, but I'm going to say it was. And I'm going to get my plaque and I'm going to brag about it on Facebook or Instagram. It's like, all right, you can do that. But I, I think a lot of them, that's what it's really about is it's a hey, look at me kind of thing. Mm. I'll tell you what, man, after the last record so the world record deal i was like i've had enough it seemed like everywhere that i went people were saying something about it and i became really self-conscious because i was like i'm not doing it just to be like some big shot world record holder like i'm doing it because i love fishing and i love doing mm -hmm. my craft that i spent a lot of time on but this is over the top and it became too much for me so I don't know. I think everybody's just uniquely different in that. Then people process it and handle it a little bit differently. And that's okay too. We are, <laughs> we are a little bit different for sure. But I, I don't know. What do you think, especially more of the like everyday angler who's going out there to catch something for the smoker. Again, now that we've wrapped through a lot of this issue is mm -hmm. what are some things that really stick out to you? I, and this is more coming from where uh, my own personality and the way that I engage with fishing. The first thought comes to me is I think there's a point of which if your enjoyment of the pastime is being warped and distorted by records or, or these programs, I feel like that's a really good opportunity to recenter. I, we got to go fishing at an undisclosed high lake for brook trout which is i think we've talked about on this podcast before like my absolute favorite and lots of special connotations with that trip i hooked a nice male brook trout first fish of the day for me i think you and danny had both caught one or two each while i was desperately pumping up my little inflatable <laughs> deal and trying to get into my waders uh. Yep. <laughs> St starting so. to get fairly panicked about missing out on the fun but i caught a and i could because i actually ended up carving it i have the measurements of it somewhere but i think correct me if i'm wrong it was something like a 17 and a half inch trout. Mm -hmm. wasn't the master angler was 18? 18 the point is long story short it was not a master angler trout one of the favorite fish I've ever caught, bar none. And I guess the point I'm making is like the fact that that was not a master angler fish <laughs> doesn't bother me, will never bother me. Yeah. It was magic. And so if you're like, this guy was willing to soil the, the day that he had fishing and catching one of the biggest fish ever of that species ever caught in his state. And that memory is not going to be a good one for him. Yeah. Ever again, you got to think maybe 
I don't know the guy. I don't know what goes on in his brain, but that's how it would be for me. It's just that would be a ruined memory. It wouldn't be a happy thing anymore. And so I think that's one of the, the things is like being truthful and doing it the right way aligns with actually a purer, better enjoyment of the sport for the long haul anyway. Yep. And that's that's the thing that I think comes to my mind, first of all, with the whole discussion is, you know, do it not cutting corners is more is more enjoyable in, over the long haul. And so that, and it's better off for other people who are also sharing the water with us in terms of the consequences like regulations proliferating, different hoops that have to be jumped through, potential consequences ratcheting up. Let's, let's remember what we're actually out there getting to do and enjoy and appreciate that. That I guess that would be my the thing that's top of my brain. What about you? Yeah, when you were talking about that story, that's one of my all-time favorite fishing trips. Because so Seth's out there in his float tube, and and he was. I I think he pumped up that float tube. <laughs> in record time because i had just landed a nice crowd danny had landed or rookie sorry and danny had landed a nice one too and he's panicked like i gotta get out in the water and get this and so (laughs) hyperventilating the whole bit (laughs) out there he hit this fish and he's hooting and hollering and there's no one for I don't even know, probably a mile or two. There's no one close to us except for Danny and I. We're just laughing because this brook trout is like just towing him around in circles out in the middle of this body of water. It's just, it was awesome. But when you were talking about that, that made me smile. And it made me think of another time where I was very set on catching a master angler lake trout out of Flaming Gorge. I went down to Flaming Gorge with my dad and my son and we were fishing really hard. And I caught a fish that, Based on how I can hold fish, Seth, I'm good at holding them out. I can hold them in real good ways. You could easily say that's a 36 inch lake trout. Yeah, yeah. But it was 33 and a quarter. <laughs> and I wasn't about to put my name on the line to say this is a master angler fish. But did it cheapen that fish for me? Not at all. I caught it on six pound test. It took me forever to land that fish. And the commentary from my son who's videoing it the whole time was hilarious. And it was just such a fun experience. It took a long time to catch it. We caught it, got it released, had a great time. But that trip was really special to me. And it wasn't because I caught a master angler lake trout. It was because I spent some great time with my dad and with my son and we caught fish. We had a good time. We brought them home. We smoked them. They were delicious. Smoked the lake trout's probably up in my top two or three. And so it it was just a wonderful time. And I think that to your point, it is important to be centered around the right things. Because if you were to ask me all my favorite fishing memories, my world record isn't on the top. (laughs) Not on the top 10, right? Right. It's probably in the top 15. And I think it's a really cool recognition, but it's not my favorite memories. Like I, I can think about Faith catching a 28 inch walleye. It just how awesome that was. Leah catching a 14 inch crappie. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things are just really special to me. It's like I get more of a kick out of watching it. Like in that time that I took you out on Boyson with Rick, it, we were just cracking yeah. one out after another. That was so much fun. And it didn't have anything to do with setting records or master anglers, but by golly, we had a good time. Yeah. And I think one of the things about your lake trout story that I think is just worth noting is it didn't cheapen the fish that it didn't meet the requirement, but it's not because you don't care about the master angler 
program and getting that. You do care. Yeah. You I'll care quite that. a bit. You've put a lot of time on the road. There's been a lot of money spent on doing a lot of planning, a lot of hard work that goes into it. You do care. Mm-hmm. And it still didn't cheapen the experience for it to not for it to be a few inches short or for your large mouth to be what close but not over a record. It's, those are the kind of things where it's just like you should we should have space to appreciate the things that don't don't quite land us in the record books. Yeah. Another one that comes to mind was last year going with my dad and with Ben to mm-hmm. Keyhole. We had so much fun at Keyhole. <laughs> And I, I had in mind, I'm like, I'm going to catch a master angler pike and drum and this and that. It didn't happen. I caught pike and drum. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't big. They were decent, but we just had fun and we got time together. We got time on the water and we got to joke around and just be together. And I think that's really, for me, that's the true enjoyment of fishing is spending time with people that you love and that you want to do life with. And it's a good time. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping you and I can do some more cool trips because it's, it's about that. It's about spending that time. And if you catch a world record, you catch a master angler, it's just icing on the cake. It doesn't make or break the trip for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so often like the last conversation we had, I think so much of it boiled down to being nice to each other. And this one just, I think, comes down to a, a great deal is that I just call it what it is. The lying isn't worth it. It like it cheapens our own experience when we have to repeat that lie or continue or just like when something isn't true, like it ought to put you in a weird place to have to continue to maintain that lie to other people. It, if that doesn't have a, I would argue that if that doesn't degrade your experience somewhat, there's more serious things wrong than exaggerating the length of your fish or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also can have some consequences for other people, whether it's the kid that watches you do it or, uh, or the angler that has to deal with more red tape because of people getting caught because people are getting caught doing this stuff now. It's like we're, we live in a survey an age where we are for better or for worse under constant surveillance and, uh, and the truth will find you out. (laughs) Yeah. So better to just tell the truth to begin with and cut the cycle short. Yeah. It's like that shop owners. I know I weighed that fish for that guy and it was not heavy enough (laughs) and my scale is certified and they had it recertified and it was dead on. And so it's, it's not worth it. It's just not. And so I guess the whole point of this podcast, (laughs) I know we've covered a lot of different things. I guess if I could sum it up, it's if you're going to participate in these programs and you, let's say you're blessed to have the opportunity to catch a fish that might qualify for a record, let it be what it'll be. Don't taint yourself or fishing, the name of fishing, even all of us anglers by doing it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And if you've got kids and people looking up to you as well, Think about that. Think about the consequences of that and just do it the best you can. It goes back to, we talk about this a lot and I know you and I in particular, but we talk about stewarding our resources. This is part of that in a way too. Let's be honest and and do it the right way. Have the integrity to it because, and if that's gone, what do you got left? Yeah. And it bleeds over into the rest of your life too. It's, it's less surprising that 
that a guy who had been dishonest in the rest of his life was dishonest in fishing, but it goes the other way too. It's like, if you're dishonest in one area of your life, it's going to have consequences for the rest of your life. So, yeah. you know, yeah. that's a piece of the puzzle too. There is one other thing I'd want to call out on this too, because I hear this sometimes and it always disturbs me on the water, but people will say, that's just a stupid regulation anyway. So I'm gonna- <laughs> They may or may not be right. There's probably more reason and a lot more thought. You guys have talked so extensively on the show about talking to people who are professionals within the field who their life work to a large extent is trying to make yep. sure that there are fish, fish to be caught and game to to be harvested like it's pretty it there is a level of arrogance there that's oh yeah i, I don't like it so it's stupid mm-hmm. and i'm gonna just break the rule because i don't like the rule be careful with that one that's a slippery slope because we could say there's all kinds of things that certain people may not think are a big deal that you think is a real big deal so just remind yeah. people of that one that you may not like your local regulations and you have some power to actually go and get them changed if you feel very strongly about them. If you don't feel that strongly about them, don't worry about it. But to me, if it's worth breaking the rule because you feel that strongly, then maybe you should do something about it and try to get it changed. But anyway, it's always good to have you on the podcast. And so for those of you who don't know Seth, if you look behind me, those of you who are watching on YouTube, there's a couple of carved fish. I got to point the right way behind me. There's a, a tiger muskie and a grass pickerel back there. And Seth carved both of those. And he talked about that brook trout. He also did that one, which is super cool. You'll have to send me another picture of that because when I changed phones, I lost all those pictures. So you have to send me that. that so I can put it in the show notes. But Seth is an incredible woodworker and he carves fish. He does all kinds of other things. So tell us, Seth, what are some of the projects you're working on right now? Right now I have... I have two, I've got a brother and a brother-in-law, so two brothers who have canoes with crappy paddles. So I am trying to get into seeing whether I can make beautiful paddles for them. And I'm, I built a steam box so I can do some wood bending and I'm looking to make some custom landing nets because I have a bunch of relatives and family and different things who fish and So this will be fun. I can make sawdust and have birthdays and Christmas sorted out. (laughs) (laughs) And one of my favorite places to to fish around here has a fall um, kokanee run. And it's just one of my favorite things. I go fly fishing in this place in the fall and the stream is just full of shoals of these bright red salmon. And they're only like nine, ten, eight to ten inches long. They're little guys. They're not, kokanee are pretty small typically anyway, but these are small kokanee. But it's just one of my favorite memories. So I'm working on a, I just cut out five little kokanee salmon that I'm going to start carving a project. And once I get closer, once they're on the way, I'll figure out how I want to display them, whether I want to put them in like an end table or a coffee table or some kind of freeform thing, but excited about those things. Like definitely sitting in the office some of these days thinking like, all right, I've got sawdust I can be making. It's <laughs> like, so cool stuff too. Cause I, I think I told you about this, but several of us up here went in on a portable lumber mill, a sawmill. And I have a brother who does tree removals 
pretty frequently. So some of the stuff I'm getting to work with is cherry and walnut that was grown locally here and came to his house as big logs and like working on planing it down and taking it all the way from log to um, functional, functional art piece is really a fun process that I'm pretty excited about. That's super um, cool. I, I have to be careful or my wife is going to become a shop widow. <laughs> yeah, you got to try to avoid that. And the other thing about Seth that a lot of you may not know is he got me hooked on the Hank Shaw books for cooking wild game and fish and stuff like that. And we were talking before the podcast, there's a Vietnamese smoked fish salad in that mm -hmm. elk line and supper book. Oh my gosh. We ate that last night and with some of the last of our smoked carp and it was amazing. And so all the kids are like, dad, we need to get those hair rigs tied up so that we can <laughs> carp so that we can smoke more so we can have more of the salad. But yeah, Seth and I usually we're exchanging pictures of fish food and projects that we're working on. So it's fun. Um, but yeah. Seth and I've been friends for gosh, 35 years now. Yeah, I think that's right. It's been, a, it's been a long time been a bit <laughs> since we were knee high but it's always just a pleasure to have you on the podcast because i like to really talk through these these issues and, and also just hear your perspective it's always fun for me so thanks again for coming on and yeah thanks for also sharing about your projects you're gonna have to share some pictures with us because that's fun yeah i'd be happy to if you want to post along with the episode i can send you pictures of that that brook trout carving since it played a, your played a role in too, that recent rainbow huh? track. the recent oh, yeah. you did was real pretty yeah i've got some pictures that i haven't shared with you because they're on my i went out and took some pictures in natural light so that you can get um i'll send on a couple of those too if people are interested they can take a look yeah that'd be awesome man but like i said man thanks for coming on the show and i'm sure we'll have you on again in the future yeah i look forward to it thanks Thanks again for listening to the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If so, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Carbon TV, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at radcastoutdoors.com. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Radcast community on Facebook called Radcast Nation. We'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course, please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thanks again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors.